Welcome to the first episode of yet another startup podcast. This is a show that me, my co-host, and I started uh, today. My name is Kamran Rahman, and I'll hand off to Akhil here in a, in a second to give his intro. But before we do that, I wanted to give a quick background on this podcast and why we started it. Um, we're, I think I would at least consider myself a technologist. Uh, I am a um, startup uh, bootstrap enthusiast. I have, however, very little experience doing either of those two things. Um, nonetheless, I figured I could still talk about the topic. And this podcast will be covering startups, technology in general, and probably some, uh, you know, more controversial personalities that are at the fringes of the uh, technology sphere. And then personally, as for me, I've been working in technology for the last 10 years, uh, mostly working on enterprise and consumer applications, um, mix of e-commerce, and some uh, other like consulting-oriented gigs. I have a little bit of experience working in a startup a long time ago. I'm about to start at a really big startup in about a couple of days, but that's essentially me. I'll hand off to Akhil so he can give his uh, intro. I'm Akhil Chandon. Um, I currently am reluctant to use this, but I'm a tech lead at a successful startup right now. I'm reluctant because Cam has recently shown me tech lead on YouTube. But anyways, um, <laughs> I have done a few startups previously of varying success. Um, none that I would consider successful as they haven't had like exits or anything like that. But varying success, as in we've gotten to incubators, gotten um, customers on board and things of that nature. So I'm fairly familiar with the startup process um, as well as software development in general. So I'm hoping I can bring that expertise to talk about some really interesting things here. Thank you, Mr. Chandon. <laughs> um, so in this episode, um, so the whole impetus of this podcast was Akil shared this long ass video on YouTube by some guy named CoffeeZilla. And CoffeeZilla interviews this, I mean, according to the internet, this entrepreneur named Evan Luthra based out of India. And it's really this 90 minute video of CoffeeZilla kind of um, really like reaming Evan Luthra about a lot of the claims Evan makes um, and whatnot. And I, I think I watched like the first couple minutes of the video and then I was like, man, this is way too long. And then over like a period of many workouts, like I would like just listen to the YouTube video without actually watching it. I finished like the full 90 minutes and I was thinking, wow, uh, Akhil is right. Like this is interesting and kind of scandalous uh, or seems scandalous. I don't want to make any judgment calls. Um, oh, by the way, before we go any further, um, this is just, you know, this podcast and this episode is just two guys shooting the shit. You know, don't take anything um, seriously or professionally in any way. So, um, and also lastly, Evan Luther, if you're listening to this and you want to come on and, um, you know, respond back to anything that we discover or say, you're more than welcome to shoot us a, uh, a message. Um, so with that said, I'm going to hand off to Akhil, who is really the one to have discovered this CoffeeZilla YouTube video. Yeah, I've, I've, been I've dove pretty deep into this rabbit hole. Um, but first of all, I think CoffeeZilla did a pretty good job of interviewing him and um, 
kind of finding that balance of not holding back and asking tough questions and pressing him and also not like being rude enough that he just leaves and doesn't want to answer the questions right so i think coffeezilla did a good job there um what i'm trying to bring the things i want to dive deep into a little bit is like the things that i know from a technological aspect that could have shined light on some things that coffeezilla may or may not know um that's first off second off I was a little skeptical even going into this. Um, I didn't first discover Evan Luthera through CoffeeZilla. I actually found like his Instagram page or something like that. And I was like, wow, a million followers from his pictures. It seems like he has a lot of wealth. I wonder what's going on here. <laughs> I did a little deep dive. Um, I think that's because, sadly for me, being of Indian heritage... There's a context out there right now with successful people from India and scams going hand in hand. So that <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> it made me break my eyebrow up and, and want to see if this guy is one of those as well. Um, so yeah, why don't we jump into a little bit of a timeline and let's see whether he pass or fails our Indian scam categorization. <laughs> Sounds good. So to begin with, in the interview, as well as um, just diving in on his life story, we've created a sort of timeline. So what we're going to do here is basically kind of tell the timeline of his view of his life and then also discuss whether it's an accurate portrayal or not, I guess, of his success. So he makes claims first that he has created apps that went to the app store he was in the first 500 of the app store and also that he was mentored by steve jobs so let's start off with that there i feel like i've been talking for a while so cam maybe you want to give your thoughts um a little synopsis on on those things for us yeah so i think and i might have to correct my facts if they're wrong but from what I recall, at least in that interview with uh, CoffeeZilla, and along with at least two or three other interviews with Evan Luther that are not related to CoffeeZilla, the consistent narrative I was hearing was that in 2008 or 2009, Evan Luther started um, releasing uh, apps to the App Store. So this is, I think, at the age of, I think like 12 or 13 years old, he was doing that. And he mentioned that he was one of the first 500 ios apps to be on the app store and that was one area like i kind of like that stuck with me i I was wondering does does ios actually like publish here you know as kind of a a retrospective like hey we're celebrating 10 years on the app store these were the first you know 10 or 100 apps to ever go live or anything like that just any evidence that would help back what evan was mentioning and I couldn't actually find anything like on Google. It's not like I was using some like scholarly like journal database to find this stuff. There's not a lot of stuff out there like that about Evan Luther to begin with. <laughs> um, so I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find the names of any of those early apps that he mentioned. Like he doesn't actually like like if it was the first one of the first 500 in the app store. I mean, like there is even, isn't even a name he provides that I can actually go validate. So I couldn't find anything that would prove this. And what makes it difficult is from with this argument is he's saying he had one of the first 500 in the app store, but at the same time, 
there's nothing that there's nothing that explicitly says no that's not true but yeah yeah (laughs) sorry go ahead no that's it that's it go for it go for it i was gonna say like the second part of that just based on the coffeezilla interview and a couple other things so he varies a little bit from saying he was 15 and in 2010 released his first app into the app store when he was 15 years old and the this is what coffeezilla dives into the app store was released in 2008 so like in two years only having less than 500 apps on the app store when it was considered a huge success is very very um hard hard to believe i think you can realistically say that's not true um and then Evan Luthera goes on to clarify that he was on LinkedIn's blogging platform called Pulse in 2008. That was one of the first apps in the App Store. And his involvement with Pulse was publishing some sort of article that he had written that got onto Pulse about technology. Okay, so then what I'm understanding, if I'm, I'm going to kind of reiterate, you tell me if I'm understanding this incorrectly or not. So LinkedIn Pulse, which was... Link, which at one point was a separate blogging platform, content publication platform. That was one of the first uh, 500 apps in the iOS store. Right. Evan Luthera was a contributor on that LinkedIn Pulse platform. And because LinkedIn Pulse uh, was one of the first 500 iOS apps in the App Store, then that also means that. Evan was responsible for publishing one of the first 500 iOS apps in the App Store. Is that, am I kind of following like that logical conclusion? Yeah, that's that's (laughs) the logic there. And my counterpoint a little bit is like every 13 year old in 2008 was on Facebook and Facebook was on like the first 500 in the App Store. So that basically means every 13 year old in the United States has, can make the same claim, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a, the, the thing with this is, if you apply enough filters to something, then you could eventually say, I'm the first to do this because of all these criteria. And uh, and I think what I'm seeing here is it's very possible. Like, you could make that argument that I think that we're interpreting Evan is making, but the way that it's being portrayed is not portrayed that way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It so, is a bit misleading. Um especially like you're changing the goalposts a few times right from being like i was one of the first 500 in the app store then saying when i said that i meant i was a contributor on a blog that was one of the first 500 in the app store which is a lot it's magnitudes less impressive so secondly along with that he mentions that he has created apps that were in the highest rated before um which include a two and a half men app that was not officially licensed by two and a half men and an indian cricket app as well i don't i'm not sure if it's indian cricket or just a cricket league app where you can see scores uh, but he also mentions that wasn't officially licensed yeah so basically for that part um that's also a bit misleading to call yourself one of the highest downloaded there um as coffeezilla mentions there were zero reviews and those apps got taken down within a week or two so what that means to me is I, if I was in Evan Luther's shoes, I've created an app that I knew would get a high amount of downloads before it got taken off due to it being high in search results, right? 
I can create a yeah. LeBron James app without LeBron James's permission. A bunch of people would download it because they're looking for content about LeBron James, and then it'd get taken off. And for the rest of my life, I would be able to use this badge of creating an application that got to the top rated charts or top downloaded charts. Yeah, you know what? It um, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, so what it's like is back in the day. Um, when people would try to get their websites, web pages to the top of like the search results, they would do like a lot of those people would do essentially like frowned upon practices like keyword stuffing. So, for example, if you're like an up and come uh, an up and coming uh, rapper who who's doing that on the side, um, but your day job is like your dentist or something like that, but you want to show up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it cut out again, Cam, but <laughs> that was a really good reference that I enjoyed that I think only me and Cam will understand <laughs> about rappers and their side hobbies of being dentists. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, no, I can. How about now? Perfect. Okay, so what it's like is, it's like you're that kind of rapper, and then you launch the first iOS app, and it's called, like, the 50 Cent Rapper app, and then now you're saying, you know, I'm a... And, you know, that's, if this is like 2004, 2005, that's likely, and this is obviously before the App Store, but if the App Store existed then, um, because of all the popularity around 50 Cent at the time, yeah, it's like likely that because your app is named that it's going to show up at the top. And then now you, you can make that kind of claim and associate it with yourself, even though you have nothing to do with 50 Cent the rapper. So that's kind of, that was a common kind of, uh, black hat, gray hat approach towards getting towards the top of the search results on like Google back in the day. And to be honest, like the way that this two and a half men scenario seems sounds, it sounds like exactly the same kind of thing. And then it's being used to basically say like, I had like a top app for like X amount of time before it got taken down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now that you brought that up, it just reminded me, it's like something that people do on Instagram now, even if they're an aspiring artist, right? They'll put like hashtag Drake, hashtag Nicki Minaj in like their posts so that when people search for those things, it'll show up even though it's not related at all and it's just them self-promoting their content. So it's kind of in like a similar vein, except I think even more like even further, I don't know if like extortion of their brand is what i'm looking for but essentially it seems like that's what it is yeah well uh, one of the other things that we have listed here is also i, I won't speak too much about the in indian cricket app uh because one i think cricket is hella boring so i didn't bother looking into that too much uh, but i will speak to like the delhi metro claim so i think in one of the from what i recall one of the interviews it might have been the Coffeezilla interview, might have been another one with Evan Luther. Evan mentions that he had the first app for Delhi Metro, right? So I think I'm a, I consider myself reason, reasonably intelligent, at least of like uh, average intelligence. And so, well, I know that India is one of the biggest countries in the world, and that Delhi is also one of the most populated cities in India. It's like, it's the capital. So I assume, well, if, you know, his, him or one of his companies published the first after Delhi Metro, I'd be able to find something online. And I tried looking, you know, like do a Google search for like um, double quotes, Delhi Metro, and then and, and then double quotes, Evan Luther. And I couldn't find anything 
that supported that claim. And I, if I did find anything, it looked like it was a claim from like directly from content either published or like sponsored by Evan Luther. So I wasn't able to validate that either. So I, I, I don't see enough evidence to actually believe that like it was just like an, uh, he published the first app for Delhi Metro. I think there's probably a lot more to it that we don't know that would otherwise disqualify or invalidate that claim. Yeah, yeah. Just a side comment on that that I just thought of. I think we're like probably 15 minutes in um, this episode and between me calling most successful people in India scammers and Cam saying cricket's boring, I feel like we're isolating a lot of our listeners. So I just want to make yeah. a point of going Look, out there. Uh, yeah, well, uh, to be fair, cricket's only boring to me because sports is, is boring to me in general. I don't watch right. sports at all. So I think the reason cricket is especially boring is from what I understand, that game can go on for multiple days, which just means I'm going to be bored for more than three hours. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Um, did you have more on that topic of the app store? Uh, the app store or um, I have nothing else around like his like earliest, I guess, app creations. I think we're good to go on to like his um, I guess it's proclaimed like uh, what do you call it? accomplishments? I think uh, there's one part that we didn't touch on yet that's pretty important, and that's him being mentored by Steve Jobs. Oh, right. Right, 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 yeah. How could I forget? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Evan, so according to Evan Luthra, Evan Luthra's mentor was Steve Jobs. And, of course, I think, I, I think to myself, wow, I've never, I didn't even know there was a relationship between the two of them. And so, Akhil, you're pretty familiar with <laughs> what the context was, or is, not even was, is behind that claim. You want to you wanna shed some light on that? Yeah, yeah. So before the CopyZilla interview, the context that he provides when he makes this claim is simply, I was mentored by Steve Jobs, right? So CopyZilla presses him a little bit and gets some of the history behind this context. Um, and Evan goes on to say that he studied Steve Jobs, read everything he wrote, and listened to a lot of interviews by him. And for therefore, he feels like he can consider himself a mentor because he learned things from him uh which is quite a bit disingenuous in my opinion um cam do you have any initial thoughts on that yeah so i mean from what i recall didn't didn't evan mention that he had like one phone call with steve jobs yeah yeah he says he has one phone call where steve jobs apparently asked him how the app store was doing or how he liked the app store yeah, so like th there's like limited context, which once again makes it difficult to like. Well, it, I'll say, put it this way: the limited context makes it easier for me to disqualify the claim versus believe it. Right? So there's like two parts to this. There's one part where like you as a person are studying and following somebody else who you've never met. Um, I think if you establish. If you think you've have established some relationship with someone without ever meeting them, but just by like reading their content, like following them online, that to me sounds somewhat even stalker. Like, I'm not saying that this is a stalker situation, but the only time I've ever heard like this kind of theme is when I'm like listening to 
a crime podcast <laughs> or watching a crime show about stalkers. Um, I can kind of disagree there, though, just because I feel like a lot of people can consider themselves Steve Jobs as their mentor then, right? Like, I've read a book about the autobiography of Steve Jobs and listened to some interviews. Did he mentor me to a less capacity, maybe, if Evan Luther read everything, right? And, like, I think a lot of people that are deeply in, like, the Christian faith would say that Jesus is their mentor then, but that really just means that you're a Christian. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't doesn't have any merit on success whatsoever. That's true. Now, as for the phone call um, that he had with Steve Jobs, it's very possible that he had that phone call with Steve Jobs. Unfortunately, on that CoffeeZilla interview, like, there wasn't a ton of context about that phone call. So, like, for example... I could assume that Evan Luthra dialed into an Apple uh, share, like earnings meeting where all, you know, stockholders can dial into and listen, right? And maybe right. Steve Jobs asked on the call and maybe it was not even directed at Evan. Maybe it was a general question or maybe it was directed at somebody who, who's actually participating in that meeting. How's the app store doing or something like that? You know, it, it could be something far-fetched as that, but I couldn't, and it, or it could be completely true, like Evan Luther picked up the phone and like dialed Steve Jobs. I actually and, think it's much less far-fetched because it could have been a rhetorical question. Like at this time where he says the phone call took place, the App Store was incredibly successful already, right? So I don't think it's unbelievable that he could have gone to an earnings report meeting and been like, how do you guys like that App Store? Trying to get everybody <laughs> hyped up and clapping, right? Yeah. <laughs> pretty <laughs> plausible to me. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I would be more likely to believe that as opposed to I had a one-on-one call with Steve Jobs and uh, and now he's my mentor. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I personally don't believe that. Yeah, yeah. 100% agree. Um, Cam, do you want to take the next part about his kind of achievements that he leans on and what those entail? Yeah, so... um i'll start off with at least what i saw on linkedin and some other interviews Uh, evan has i think a ph an honorary doctorate in blockchain technology and i think cryptocurrency which are two inevitably tightly coupled sub-disciplines of technology and Speaking specifically to like that claim, so from what I understand, he sponsored, I think, a a room or a research center or like a computer lab at some school or university in the Dominican Republic. And him sponsoring right. that gave him, they awarded him the honorary doctorate of like blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Now, I think like that is totally fair. Like it, it, if you got this honorary d- doctorate in, in a in blockchain and cryptocurrency and you've kind of caveated with like, yeah, this is honorary. Like I don't actually know a ton about the tech, the details of the technology, but rather I am a, I'm an enthusiast of the technology. I think that'd be one thing, but I've definitely seen at least one interview, not with CoffeeZilla where Evan literally uh, opens up with, I have a PhD in the industry. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, that's kind of different um, than like having an honorary PhD on top of that. I mean, I'm I'm a big like blockchain and cryptocurrency enthusiast myself. So probably for like the two people that might be listening to this that are also into it, like you might be familiar with people like Vitalik Buterin, who's 
I think one of the founders of Ethereum or like, um, I don't remember his last name, but he's Greek and his first name is Andres. This guy is like a huge Bitcoin maximalist. And he has, I th I, I'm pretty sure he actually has like a PhD in like distributed computing and distributed systems. And generally speaking, people who are legitimately educated in that space, what I found is like the big personalities, a lot of them tend to be um, educated in uh, like distributed systems and computing. And they have like papers and things to kind of back up that education. And not even those guys, have I ever seen them kind of open up with, oh, I have you know, the highest level of education in this space. So I, when Evan opens up with something like that, I, uh, I definitely feel like that's a, an over, that's an embellishment of what his title actually is. And, yeah. and, and like an example is, you, you know, Richard Branson goes by Richard Branson. Sure. Like on Wikipedia, it might be listed as Sir Richard Branson, but I don't know if I don't, I've never seen Richard Branson actually use being knighted as like, Oh, like I was knighted because I did all the things to become a knight and therefore I'm a knight. I've never actually seen him kind of parading around like that. So that's an example of somebody who got some sort of honorary title um, without, you know, maybe doing, I don't even know what it takes to become a knight. So I don't think he did anything that would require being a knight, but uh, I don't see him embellishing his title or his name either. Uh, yeah. Anthony yeah. Lee. And on that point, Evan Luther writes on multiple different like social media places or media outlets that he refers to himself as Dr. Evan Luther, right? Which is like a pretty big context behind this as well. You're trying to use your honorary doctorate status to get some um, credibility behind you, right? <laughs> yeah. What I just thought of now is it's like me going to India and saying like, as a nine-year-old, I was acclaimed by the president of the United States for my, like, how good I was at studying and my education, right? <laughs> like, I don't know if you remember this, too, or they went through that. Pretty much, like, everybody in sixth grade would just get some certificate of achievement signed by the president. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. I totally remember that. Yeah. It's, like, it's kind of like that, where there's just an additional step where everybody doesn't get it, but you have to pay some X amount of money, and then the, and the university will recognize you for donating that money. Oh, dude, I don't know if you ever remember, but like I, at least when I was in high school, so first off, I was a terrible student. I had like a 2.5, like intellectually, I had like low self-esteem because I didn't have good grades. So I just never thought of myself as like a smart person. Right. And um, what I would get like once a year was like, oh, you're recognized for being one of the top high schoolers in, in the United States. And if you pay 50 bucks, you'll get this book <laughs> with your name in it and it'll be listed around along with all the other high schoolers that are like the best in the country. And uh, I think, I mean, it's like not one to one, but I, for, I could have like totally been like, I'll pay that 50 bucks. And now I can say I'm like, you know, one of the top high schoolers in the United States. And I kind of, whatever Evan did is at obviously at a larger scale because he got like, I, I don't know if the, that university in the, in the Dominican Republic is accredited, but it's obviously well enough to have that, like probably established enough to have that name. So I think whatever Evan did is probably at a larger scale than like 15 year old me coughing up 50 bucks to get like a high school, rec like national high school recognition. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm basically agreeing with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the CoffeeZilla interview, his like rebuttal to this was really telling where he says that if you buy a one foot by one foot plot in Scotland, you can use the title Lord and that gets you treated better at airlines. Right. So that's really telling in how he sees 
that thing as a life hack, which also is a little bit weird and unethical, but he equates that to being able to use doctor and getting yourself credibility on much larger scale than just at airports being treated marginally better. And on that point too, I don't know, like if you're a millionaire and you're getting first class tickets, how much better are they treating you at the airport for being a Lord? Like you already get access to all of the um, amenities at the airport. You get to go in the plane first. You're not going to get a better seat from first class for being a Lord. So I don't completely understand that point either. I don't remember. Do you remember if that discussion about the Lord title, was that in the CoffeeZilla uh, interview or, or not? Yeah, yeah, I believe it, it, was. it was. So I, I specifically, the part about that that stood out to me the most was when he talked about the Lord title, he literally called it a life hack. And when he was talking about it, it, it was, it, it's, I got the sense that he was, he actually, I got the sense that he thought he was a genius for fight, figuring out that life yeah, hack. Yeah. I, if you go with Lord, you'll get treated better in the airport. You'll get treated better in life. And so um, I thought that was super weird, but I also thought it was kind of funny. Um, me personally, I've never thought about using titles to change the way I'm treated, but I've definitely used back in the day when I'd sign up for like an American Airlines uh, mileage card. I would literally just use the title like Lord just to see if I'd actually get that address, get, be addressed that way in the mail. And I didn't do it because I wanted to be treated differently. I just did it that because I thought it was funny, like how many people actually select that option. Apparently, Evan Luther does for better treatment <laughs> at, the, at the airport, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think like the even bigger life hack is like, if you really think it would get you something by using Lord, just use Lord. No one at the airport is going to be like, show me your deed for your one-by-one one plot in Scotland to prove <laughs> yeah. that you're a Lord before I treat you back. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> So. Oh, before we before we go too further along, so we, he, uh, so according to Evan Luther, he's a doctor. He has he's a doctor. He obviously knows his way around life hacks. One thing we don't. So Akil and I are doing a screen share of like all the talking points we have. One thing we don't have written down is his claim to being one of the first investors on Snapchat. <laughs> I want right. to I want to make sure we get to that because when I first read that comment about him be so on the internet i read that he was one of the first investors on snapchat i interpreted that as wow evan uh i don't even think it was one of the first i think it was actually the first investor the first investor on snapchat so it's not one of the first it's the first so naturally i'm like holy crap how is he not more known if he's the first investor in, in snapchat and i did all the googling i could and i found so many names on Crunchbase, so many VCs that were involved as like one of the earliest investors in Snapchat. Um, of which, of course, like I didn't see Evan Luthra or his larger holding, I think EL Group, on there. So then I was like, well, how? Why would? It, then I started wondering, well, why would Snapchat let Evan Luthra be the first investor and not even like credit him? Uh, and then, and then uh, what Uckhill did was he clarified that claim for me. So I'll let Uckhill yeah. kind of speak to that. Let's get into that a little bit, right? So it's on his website, evanluthera.com. It says, from being the first investor over Snapchat to an early investor in ease.com and Wheelie's Cafe, right? So let's get into each of these three because I feel like they're all fascinating in their own respects. (laughs) From being the first investor over Snapchat, I dug into that and I found out what that exactly means. 
And it's purposefully misleading, right? Unless you like really look at the grammar he's using here. He says over Snapchat, right? So it seems I thought the same, like he must be the first investor in Snapchat. That must be why he has some form of notoriety. And I tried looking this up too, and it was really hard to find this information, but he was actually the first investor to complete a deal on Snapchat. So while he was drunk at a club, someone added him on Snapchat, pitched them their idea, and he agreed to invest their idea via Snapchat. That's what so, uh, so like there's a couple things. So when he when I was, when you told me about investing over Snapchat, I gave the benefit of the doubt that in, it, since English is presumably not his first language, maybe when he is translating how he thinks in maybe Hindi or Punjabi, it translates into, you know, over Snapchat instead of in Snapchat. Right. Turns out I was, I was wrong. So that's one thing. The second thing is how do you even prove that somebody, like this is another one of those things where he, uh, somebody can make a claim that they were the first to do something, but there's nothing I can find online that would otherwise negate that. Because I, I assume that Snapchat doesn't monitor, actively monitor all the investment deals happening over their platform. So based on that, there's no way for me to actually invalidate that. Nonetheless, this, another once again, seems like a, an embellished claim. Yeah, plus, like, it's just not something that normal people would brag about. So it's not <laughs> something you're going to Google and find other people saying they all did it to see if someone did it earlier than him, right? It's a really, like, outlandish thing to care about. Yeah, I, I agree. And then what was so, the other one? Ease or whatever? Yeah, the second part is to an early investor in Ease.com. Ease.com is a marijuana startup online. Um, right now, they're not doing so hot. But basically, what I took out of this is he invested via AngelList. And this is just a theory. There's no like fact behind this. But judging by like his history that we've kind of plotted out here, I think he wanted to make his portfolio look better. Um, we'll get a little bit into why his portfolio doesn't look that great in things that he's invested in in a little bit. But I think he wanted to make it look better. He saw the opportunity that Ease.com was looking for investments from anyone via AngelList. Um, so basically, via AngelList, I believe you can give anyone investment for a small share of their company and not have voting rights and then be able to use that company on your portfolio on AngelList which I basically think is what he did in order to get a reputable company onto his portfolio there. Um, and even like early investor in this context has me, my ears perk up and be a little bit skeptical, right? Because early is a comparative term. So compared to now, it could be early, but it might already be after they had proven some level of success and it wasn't that much of a risk to invest X amount of money to get them on your portfolio. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, for example, um, so look, if we look at uh, crypto, for example, like Bitcoin and Ethereum. So Bitcoin specifically, I think, first came out uh, in 2009. And then there was like different cohorts of buyers, the 09ers, the people that bought around 13, 2013, then the people that bought around 2017. I'm, a, I'm from that 2017 cohort, but I still consider that people from like the 2013 cohort to be like early early buyers and then those 2013ers might not consider themselves you know early and early adopters you know they might say like the 09ers were 
early adopters. So I agree, it's totally relative, this concept of um, approximating, you know, what, what's late, what's early. Right, right. And then the last one, I don't have too much context on Willie's Cafe. Other than that, it's out of business currently. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was the last one out of the three of those there, which are all pretty fascinating, I think. Um, Embellished claims, some more embellished than the others. The other thing that goes on to this and I think is more applicable to the honorary doctorate and Lord Life Hack is his like net worth page so there are websites where i think it's basically crowdsourced information on like celebrity information and celebrity net worth um and cam had found this clip of someone referring to him as a billionaire in an interview do you want to just give the context by that clip quickly yeah so i i uh stumbled upon um this youtube video it was an interview i think it was it took place in russia at some sort of like crypto conference back in like 2017 or 18. And this is like the one thing where I give Evan like full credit on. Uh, The interviewer introduces him as a billionaire and he actually corrects her and he says, oh, I'm not a billionaire, millionaire. And so I will say out of all the things I couldn't find to support his the positive claims he makes about himself, I did see like, you know, see that there's at least one time on the internet where he did an embellishment about himself and like, you know, downgraded himself. So I, I wanted to just give credit to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like the one drop of humility. I think I've seen <laughs> in anything. Yeah. I, I was like, but, Holy shit. I had to replay it like twice just to make sure I, then I replayed it. Then I actually went online to see his net worth. And I found more things that supported him being a millionaire versus a billionaire. So then I was like, okay, like him kind of downgrading that reporter's or that interviewer's assumption uh, seems legit. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but back to the celeb net worth thing I was talking about, that's crowdsourced. It says he collected an excellent amount of money from his successful com- career. Thus, he has an estimated net worth of $1 billion. Oh, now, what? I- why that's interesting to me is that this is crowdsourced information and under body measurement category, I don't even know why that's a category on celebrity net worth, but it says he is a handsome man with a tall and fit body figure. Similarly, he stands at an average height and has maintained a fit and healthy body. Furthermore, he looks more handsome and attractive man with black colored eyes and black natural hair. That makes me think. Sorry. Uh, those are like three separate sentences, yet they all sound like they're saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and like, to me, this either has to be written by Evan Luthera or like a super fan of Evan Luthera. And I tried looking like any celebrity that has a super fan, they would basically have like a fan page on Instagram. Oh, like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The only things I've found on Instagram are Evan Luthera is a fraud. Dr. Evan scammed Luthera, Evan's a loser, Evan Luthera is a fake. There is nothing positive in any profile here. So if someone was willing to take the effort of making a celeb network page, I would imagine they would also make a fan page about him as well. So <laughs> something screams to me about a little manipulation from him or his team onto his public image there also. Yeah, I agree with that. It, that... I I don't even that so that page also mentions he has a he's a self-made billionaire but then I think in interviews 
what I gathered was he was a byproduct of his dad's like failed call like technology or call center business, something like that. Yeah. So they yeah. kind of like whatever I don't know who put that page together, but it, it it's definitely not consistent with other things that both Evan has said and then the internet has said. Yeah, exactly. Um so we'll leave off that section with that point. We're gonna jump into Startup Studio, I believe it's called. Which yeah. Do you remember? Let me look it up really quick. I want to have this available. I believe it's startupstudio.co.in, but I could be wrong. Uh, we're doing a Google search on the screen share for people. Well, nobody that's listening startup, will see the screen share. So, startupstudio.online. So this is fun, and I'm a little bit tempted to just like think of an idea that's passable as a real idea, and just try and go through the process and see what it what it looks like. <laughs> for a good time. But basically, a little context behind this quote-unquote incubator he has. He has historically taken ideas at the very infant idea stage. So as soon as someone gets an idea that pops in their head and they haven't done any extra effort from that phase, they will basically go to Dr. Evan Luthra here and tell him this idea. He will respond back saying, I will give you five hundred thousand dollars for 20 percent of your company to know that you have some skin in the game i want you to contribute one hundred thousand dollars to the company and then we will take that six hundred thousand dollars and i will get this developed in india for you right so did you have thoughts you wanted to add before i move on oh no 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 i'm just i'm just, I'm just kind of following along yeah yeah so there's a few things that scream out to me here. Number one, not allowing the CEO that had the idea that you're investing in to choose their own development company is very, very odd and manipulative in and of itself, right? No other right. investor is going to be like, you have to use our investment company to do this unless it was a bit of a scam. Um, Secondly, for an MVP, and if you guys don't know that, minimum viable product, basically anytime you have a startup idea, you want to get the smallest amount of effort to create some sort of product done to test your idea and see if it's useful, if it's something people would pay for, if it is the theory that you had in your head that this would be um, successful, if it proves at any certain level, right? So for it to cost $600,000 just for that experimental stage, is outlandish, right? You're better off putting your $100,000 on the roulette table than you are at going even $100,000 deep on an MVP level at this stage, I think. Yeah, like this is an idea that has, this means we haven't even validated the idea. We don't know if anybody's even pay any money for this. And so in this scenario, you're paying six, you'd be spending $600,000 to find out if there's any, demand for this idea in the in the market like consumer market or business market yeah yeah exactly which i mean it's pretty outlandish just from that itself and then put those things together with him demanding to use like his development company what that screams to me is just that this product is costing reasonably i would say like 25 grand even that might be a little bit on the high end 
and I'm pocketing the rest of it. So if you do become successful, then I have a 20% stake in a successful company, but more likely you're not. And I just made $75,000 off of your $100,000 investment. Yeah, this is this sounds bas- basically like super asymmetrical, meaning it's all the risk is it's it's bared by the by the id idea person and then right in this scenario if the idea never comes to fruition then startup studio gets to keep whatever the difference is between what they take from the idea person and what they and their actual labor or if like yeah the other scenarios where like the, the idea takes off and then you know he gets a stake in it and then probably puts it up under his like angel list investor profile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And one thing I just want to clarify on, I might not have made it clear. The person who came up with the idea never actually sees that $500,000. It's going straight to development costs, which is his own development company. Right. Which is what makes this extremely, extremely shady. Right. And you can Mm. go through his, I don't know, track record, I guess, on his website. Most of the investments he has listed, um, they're, the links that he has to them are dead. Um, you can look at them in the App Store. At most, they have one review. And out of the one out of three that I've seen have one review, that one review was by an Eleuthera, which, how many Eleutheras are there in the world? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we had tried to click through like I think like the first five or six. Um, he so Evan has basically like a a series of logos of all the companies he's he's apparently invested in. I think we clicked on like the first five or six, and of those five or six, I think almost all of them were either dead links or they were out of business. Um, maybe there was like one where the site suggests that they're still in business, but who even knows? Like. Seeing how many dead sites and dead links were on, we were getting linked to from the site. It's like not really even clear to us if who if these sites are actually like maintained and are actual proper representation of whether these businesses are alive or not and successful or not. Yeah, yeah, and to give him credit, he, in the Coffeezilla interview when discussing this, he kind of says things that have like a sliver of truth, but Coffeezilla never pressed him on the MVP part. Part that has a sliver of truth is as an incubator where I see my success is if even of these one company, if one company out of the 10 that I invested in goes 100x, then I'm profitable, right? Which, to be honest, is a strategy that a lot of like incubator programs use. But the problem is when you take ideas this early on, you're not going to get one in 10 being successful, right? Like there's so much that goes into being a successful startup that's why incubator programs take more mature companies and then help them so there's a higher probability of them going 100x right when it's just an idea that's a zero to none chance that you're ever going to see value on that investment yeah like so based on my limited experience working at startups which i almost have zero and based on the many startup podcasts that I listen to, the common theme that I gather for like these, even these um, incubators that are for like small startups that aren't looking to be billionaires or billion dollar companies or unicorns, they're often looking for you have product market fit, you have a certain amount of dollars you're bringing in every month and recovering revenue. And even then, like there's, you know, 
there's like there, there, there's anticipation for a lot of failure. So I do think, yeah, that kind of return on basically just an idea seems uh, unusual. Yeah, yeah. At the I I've gone through a bunch of incu- uh, incubator interviews. I've been through an incubator with a startup that I co-founded, and all of those pretty much had the same theme. They expect you to at least have users using your product already, which means the MVP would already be done, right? So when you're even pre-MVP, pre-doing any work, and literally you just have this like one to two sentence idea, that's literally not like it's it's not worth anything at that early of a stage until you have had at least some success in implementing it yeah some proof of dollars essentially right, right. exactly so cool awesome uh i think that covers all of the items we had listed out did you have anything else you wanted to get out before we wrap this pot up no no i i don't think so i think i've gotten everything off my chest and i hope everyone enjoyed our little deep dive that we had here into evan luthra yeah so if anybody has any uh personalities in the tech space or companies that you're wondering about curious about kind of want some more information about them uh shoot us a message on this pod we're happy to do some research and if we find anything of value we can uh discuss it further discuss our findings kind of like we did with uh evan luthera but i think uh that's it awesome sounds good thanks everyone for tuning in thank you bye